0: Sound Minds Radio, getting you behind the research and ideas in contemporary life. This episode produced by Michael Schubert. Sound Minds Radio, part of the Community Radio Network. soundminds.com.au Welcome to the Sound Minds 5-Minute Research Pitch 2017 Finals Presentations. The 5-Minute Research Pitch is a competition for academics to present their research in five minutes, that's it. They can use three slides and there are no more rules. Researchers from seven universities competed this year within their university in two categories, Science and Health and Arts, Humanities and Social Sciences. The winner in each category heads off to the finals. This year, the competition was hosted by Central Queensland University. Because one of their researchers was the 2016 overall winner. Competition was held at the Central Queensland University campus in Melbourne, hosting the competitors from seven universities. Central Queensland, the Australian Catholic University, Charles Sturt, Southern Cross, Southern Queensland, Tasmania and Victoria University. Now, it takes more than knowledge about your research. It takes preparation and precision. If you go over five minutes, you're disqualified. And if the slides don't work, you're on your own. Competitors take it seriously because communication is crucial in an academic career. Sure, academic careers are about research, but essentially they're about communicating to your peers, to your students, to the public, And you never know when you may need to communicate to potential funding bodies. Succinct communication skills are essential. In this episode, we feature two academics from Southern Cross University. Dr. Anna Scott from the Marine Ecology Research Center, who researches anemones and anemone fishes in subtropical reef habitats and asks, does bleaching mean Nemo cannot find his home? And Dr. Glory Gatwiri, Kenyan born birthing expert, now working in the School of Arts and Social Sciences, who brings us the sobering tale of childbirth injuries and leaking bodies stories from Kenyan women. No stranger to marine science, one of Soundmind's early episodes involves the work of Dr. Jellyfish, also known as Dr. Lisa Gershwin. The episode is called jellyfish, aliens, adventurers, or assassins, and demonstrates how much we need to pay attention to our marine ecosystems. In this five-minute research pitch talk, we hear from Dr. Anna Scott, who uses sea anemones and anemone fishes as model organisms to answer a variety of research questions regarding subtropical reef habitats. Her research has four main themes. Investigating the reproductive biology of host sea anemones. Developing captive breeding techniques to support marine ornamental aquaculture. Documenting the distribution and abundance of anemones and anemone fishes. And determining the impacts of bleaching and climate change on various aspects of the symbiosis. Her talk particularly reflects the last research theme. Listen now to... Does bleaching mean nemo... Cannot find his home.
1: So I grew up in Canberra, which is a bit of a drive from the beach for a kid who wanted to be a marine biologist. But we used to escape there on some weekends, and one of the, my favourite things to do was to play in the rock pools and feed little sea anemones with shells from the surrounding rocks. These sea anemones are now the focus of my academic career. So I work on ones, particularly ones that provide habitat for anemone fishes. So these anemone fishes live in social groups. The largest individual is female and she's the boss. The second largest is always male and the rest are juveniles. Interestingly, these cap- fish are capable of sex change. So if the female dies, the male will step up and become a female and one of the juveniles will become a male. Think about this for a second in the context of the movie Finding Nemo. In this movie, Nemo's mum went missing. So Nemo's dad would have become become the female and Nemo would have become the male in the relationship. Maybe a little bit more late-night SBS than Disney Pixar. <laughs> anyway, these fish reproduce by laying eggs on the substratum beside their sea anemone homes. You can see them here as the little silver and gray dots on the rock beside the anemone fish. The larval fish develop inside their eggs until they hatch. They then spend some time in the plankton and then they need to find themselves a home. We know these fishers can find their homes using smell or olfaction, but what we don't know is whether they, they can still find their home when that home becomes bleached. So all sea anemones that provide habitat for anemone fishes also contain symbiotic algae. These algae photosynthesize and give their sea anemones food. However, during times of environmental stress, this relationship can break down. And what happens is the anemones turn white. So you can see here, this is a sea anemone that's really healthy. Its tentacles are brown because they're full of algae. Whereas the one that's at the top, the association's broken down. It's lost its algae because of stress. So if Nemo can use a smell to find his home, does the smell of that home actually change when it's bleached and stressed? To answer this question, myself and Danielle Dixon from the University of Delaware used three species of anemone and five species of fish. What we wanted to know was whether these juvenile fishes that were habitat naive could actually distinguish between cues from bleached and unbleached hosts using chemicals alone. Our secondary question was, will a sea anemone actually be selected as habitat if it is bleached? We answered this by doing a series of what we call pair choice flume experiments. So we could deliver different chemical cues into either side of the flume. We'd place the fish at the downstream end and it would either swim from side to side if it didn't have a preference, or it would swim towards the cue that it preferred. What we found from these experiments was pretty mind blowing. Not only could these fishes that had never come into contact with a sea anemone home before, tell us exactly the species that they wanted to live with, but they could also tell us whether it was bleached or healthy. We know this because all five species of anemone fish selected the cues from healthy hosts. None of them selected the bleach cues. Now this is probably pretty advantageous for these fish because c-anemone bleaching can lead to mortality of the host and that leads to the consequent death of the fish. In the next set of trials, we asked whether these fishes would always respond to hosts that were healthy and they did, they always selected them over seawater, which wasn't surprising. The next research question was one that we were unsure about. Would they, those fishes actually select cues from bleached hosts or would they prefer to simply keep swimming? We did find that they did like the bleached cues, which is a good thing once again. The reason for this is that host sea anemones tend to be pretty rare on reefs. So selecting the first home that you actually come across might be a good thing. Because if you keep swimming, it might mean that you simply don't find somewhere to live. So given our changing climates and the fact that coral bleaching and sea anemone bleaching is becoming much more severe, and much more common throughout our world's oceans, the ability of these fishes to be able to recognise the status of their host before they become a lifetime resident is particularly important. I didn't realise just how clever these little fishes were before we did these experiments. And I hope that these smarts help Nemo and his charismatic cousins persist long into the future. and We don't get into a situation where finding Nemo really does become a challenge.
0: One of Sound Mind's most popular episodes is Childbirth, Midwives, Hospitals and Home, and Never the Twain Shall Meet, where we hear from Professor Hannah Darlin Discussing the Australian best practice experience of childbirth. In this five minute research pitch, Dr. Gloria Gutwiri represents another lived experience for women in Africa. Dr. Gutwiri researches into areas relating to childbirth and African immigration and settlement in Australia. Her work involving the oppression of women in Kenya through obstetric practices is brought to light in her talk, Childbirth Injuries and Leaking Bodies Stories from Kenyan women.
2: What would you do if you had to live with a body that is incontinent? A body that leaks of urine, faeces, and sometimes both. What would, have you, what would you do if you, had, if you had no idea of when you would have your next accident? Think about that job that you would quit, or that date that you would have to cancel. Now, I interviewed many women in Kenya who live with vaginal fistulas. A vaginal fistula is a tear between the vagina and another body part. It's usually caused by obstructed labour. Now, when obstructed labour happens, the baby's head sits on the pelvic bone and it it cannot descend any farther. Now, when labour continues, the blood tissues are cut and the baby dies. Now, I'll tell you the story of one of the women that I interviewed during my research. When I met Sasha, she was 22 years old. She was married off when she was just nine years old. And by the time she was 11, she was pregnant and unprepared for childbirth. So when labor came in that isolated village in the middle of nowhere, there were no buses to take her to the nearest clinic. So she spent six days trying to push out a baby that could not fit through her bathing canal. At last, she delivered a dead, rotten baby. And then she collapsed, exhausted. But when she woke up, she was not only tormented by the loss of her child, but also discovered a pungent smell. She would now live with the indignity Of continuous leaking of urine and feces for the next 11 years. Now I don't know about you but when I was 11 I was not ready to be a mother and I wasn't ready to be a wife or hold that kind of responsibility. Now when I interviewed these women, a lot of data was coming through, and it led me to what we call the 3D model, looking at the, what we theorise are the causes of fistulas. Now the 3D model looks at the 3D that we, we argue are the causes of fistula. One is the delay in making a decision to go to hospital, two delay in getting to the hospital, And three, delay or denial of proper care while at the hospital. However, I wasn't interested in the what causes fistulas, but in the why. So in my analysis, I noticed how African women's bodies are ranked and marginalized. So African women's bodies are constructed as deviant. So this ranking and marginalization of black bodies in the global maternal health dynamics is crucial to how we understand how African women are more at risk of developing conditions such as vaginal fistulas and having adequate care or treatment delayed or denied them. The why then starts to surround conversations such as lack of education, poor health infrastructure, colonised practice, the patriarchy, poverty, and abjection of black bodies. So theoretical explanations point out to the traditional practices such as early marriage where we marry girls who are you know, nine years old like Sasha, or even female genital circumcision where we infibulate and severely injure the sexual organs of young girls. So... The general disadvantage of being an African, of being black, plays out in the conversations around why African women end up developing conditions such as vaginal fistulas. So my research therefore recommends that we look into the health policies that are designed to support and assist these women. Because we see some of these these, uh, practices that are designed to support these women actually contributing in the reproduction of conditions such as fistula. So I tell you these stories so that I can keep these women in your mind. And to remind you that these women are not merely carriers of a shameful disease. They are products of a system that subordinates them. And to remind you that no woman deserves to lose her life while trying to give one.
0: You've been listening to another episode from Sound Minds Radio. Produced for the Community Radio Network. Visit our website, soundminds.com.au.